Hi. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, welcome Vedant to the Current Affairs podcast. And um, to just give a fine introduction, Vedant has Vedant has an internship with CSIRD on Syria and is very passionate about it. He's a great MUNR. He has attended various MUNs and has won numerous awards. And uh, today in this podcast, obviously, um, uh, we are going to be covering about the Syrian civil war as well as the situation unraveling in Iran. Well, Vedant, would you like to give our listeners like a brief um, description of the conflict in Syria? Yeah, uh, so talking about Syria, all right. Uh, so basically, uh, if you look uh, at right, so like uh, if you watch just a, f- a few videos on the internet, it 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 will mostly be like it's a Sunni was a Shia war. Uh, Russia is involved, Turkey is involved. It it is all complicated. But how it all started? Uh, it all started for the it all started with the for, for me. It started in two thousand eleven with a boy who with a boy a fourteen year old boy who draw a graffiti. And it it became hella. It became very complicated with us with with Assad regime using complete brutality against its own people and suppressing its own people. Now, the thing about Syria that really you know that really I'm really passionate about is how the whole world got into this conflict and made this even more complicated. So I mean, like you know, if I had to give a very brief, you know, in a sentence, if I had to sum up Syria. The, it would like you know it would be all, all the national community coming around and just messing and just messing the sovereignty of Syria, and you know just making them more complicated, which could, which could have been solved easily if they would have you know if they would have uh, not like pushed pushed and thought that we could solve this conflict militarily and just you know supported and you know supported a Syrian led and Syrian owned uh, political process earlier in the conflict. Not you know during not during twenty twenty or during twenty nineteen or twenty twenty seventeen. It was late, very late already. So, yeah, that's pretty much about Syria. I mean, details are deeds, but it's pretty much for me. In so, short, that's pretty much about it. So, like speaking about the fact that you just stated about you know the international community messing up Syria. Do you like? Would you believe that what Assad did in two thousand eleven when he shot down protesters? Do you think that the international community could have done just anything else except for retaliate, or would it be a peaceful okay, uh, process? Okay. Now see. Uh, now see. Uh, if we go about the UN Charter, right? So in two thousand eleven, uh, Syria could have. Syria is very well stated. UN Charter clause two. Sorry. Uh, clause. Yeah. What was it? Uh, clause two, paragraph seven, and it could be like it's a it's a domestic affair. Don't mingle into it. But when in 2012 it started to become an international spillover, that means uh, that means FSC started to take place. That that, that was a time when you know uh, like uh, rebels started to gain arms and rebels started to gain arms from Saudi Arabia. That's that was a point if the national community just step up and would say that stop, we need to stop this violence right now. And uh, you know they could have and what they could have done that they could have at least uh, you know talked about like in like the Geneva come like in Geneva. So they they brought everyone. It was a great initiative in 2012, but again it failed because we couldn't reach a consensus. Big and the national community has to reach a consensus on Syria. And now, taking 2020, we are, what we are watching right now is catastrophic. 
we are seeing covid-19 cases piling up in syria we are seeing uh, we, are, we we are seeing turkey attacking turkey attacking the rojava region uh, that was in 2019 though but like you know again exacerbating the conflict and fanning the flame in the conflict so again if he if you want a consensus you have if you want a solution you have to come to a consensus there's no else solutions to this war like if if russia goes on to veto any resolution and if usa and you know uh, even usa for that for that sake if uh, if usa and russia don't come to consensus and they don't stop this we we can we, we cannot see any solutions true they have come to consensus like resolution 2254 2249 2118 but these are just a few instances take jim for example russia killed it and and uh, and now now again the blame game starts so like and in 2011 like yes what i personally feel if the national community in geneva if they could come to a consensus syria wouldn't be in the catastrophic state that it is in right now so yeah so like um, since you brought the entire veto power in question like obviously we've known about russia blocking humanitarian aid uh, unsc resolutions so doesn't this very scenario in the un security council actually you know bring up the question of the validity of the veto power which is given to a specific set of countries and decide the future of the world absolutely see personally i feel well, okay what is veto power We like uh, I was in a month once, and one of the delegates brought up a very good point. And uh, what what he stated, what he stated that why have we given the P five powers? Why have we given the P five powers veto? I mean, what's the point of veto? Like, who gave these cronies the the right to decide the future of the world? I mean, see, we are sitting in twenty twenty right now. It's not nineteen forty five, or you know, it's not the time when the UN was formed. it's not after world war 2 our perspective about the world have changed and talking about un as a whole i mean if we be a little bit honest has un been able to achieve at all i mean look around us genocides war crimes war crimes anything i mean un can celebrate its 75th year 75th year but personally i feel un has failed on a lot of fronts and the core issue of it being veto i mean russia continues to veto anything that the that doesn't favor the al-assad regime usa continues to veto anything that doesn't favor israel uk and france and this, you, know, you know they continue to veto if i'm not wrong about the swiss canal issue so i mean veto vetoes are not justified at least in 2020 it's like we are paying the p5 members for you know making the un at the first place so yeah Yeah, see, I mean, I agree with you regarding the same. I mean, obviously, the veto power has gotten outdated because, as you said, we aren't in World War Two. This is you know in the twenty first century, and now it is obviously time that or that, that you know these outdated powers not exist anymore. And this is one of the core issues of the UN itself. So, considering the fact that you uh, spoke about Geneva, and so well in two thousand twelve. There was this communication was passed in Geneva regarding a political process. Obviously, countries like Iran as well as Syria obviously oppose this very idea of a transitional political process. So, uh, do you think that this political process is proposed? Does it uh, was it completely political or something like as if it was supposed to be against Assad as a whole, which failed the agreement? Uh, right. So, talking about the Geneva two thousand five Geneva communication. So, uh, you know, um, like if I'm not wrong, uh, when yeah, if I'm not wrong, the the then Secretary General, uh, I am forgetting his name. He had proposed a six point plan, right? And that didn't work out. 
they came to geneva they tried to come to a consensus there was three conferences they, there was a communique in 2012 that communique if we have gone through that it talks about the political process and that was needed that at the most i mean see iran uh, talking about iran i mean it's quite ironical to see iran uh, you know if we question iran in that way uh, iran has supported uh, arab spring protests in tunisia iran has supported arab spring protests in egypt but the, the, the same doesn't apply to damascus why because in, because what iran stated that these are jihadists who were trying to you know overthrow the legitimate government so see uh, iran has strategic interests there but if the p5 members quote unquote the respond if they were responsible enough let's say russia which had strategic interest in syria if russia was responsible enough at least they could sit down with uh, mr assad, uh, assad and they could say that see this is not working out you have to agree to some things and true uh, if you uh, true russia has interest in syria you have to stay in power but again you have to share your power because see if think logically if in 2012 uh if assad you know at least agreed to at least to agreed to some to some consensus there was some consensus at least a little bit you know to share some power or to make a new constitution or something which they did which they did but again assad completely ripped it off in 2013 he again carried out a number of chemical attacks again again angering the population again angering the whole national community so it's just the whole cycle uh, like you know Uh, Assad will promise something. He'll carry out. He carry out an attack or something. And again, we go on to the same cycle of blaming each other, making new bodies, and again killing those bodies. It's a complete new cycle. It's just so um going on. Obviously, since we're taking all the parties into focus, we also have these non-state actors like the Islamic State and Al Qaeda. But uh, when these Their organizations, you know, they sprang up first, like in Syria in two thousand twelve and two thousand eleven. Um, then obviously the U.S. had like um a national security in quote unquote a national security interest to uh invade Syria and to crack down on these organizations. But considering we are now in twenty twenty, where uh, the Trump administration has already um killed the very leader of the Islamic State, there still continues to be. for the us intervention in syria so do you believe that this western in- intervention has actually prolonged the process for a peaceful political transition or at least proper elections take place if not anything else okay so i think a few days back only elections did take place in syria uh, if i am not wrong yeah it did take place in yeah. syria and as usual assad won because assad is great now uh, coming to us intervention so resolution 2249 it led to the formation of issg so after the formation of issg uh, the the thing was that uh, the thing was that uh, after this resolution drones were flying over syria the usa had like complete authorization by the unsc and nato they were they were drones are flying over syria they were attacking isis like anything because uh, you know one of their one of their key focuses was isis because isis is a ruthless ruthless regime and uh, i think i was watching one of the interviews of us uh, of assad and he he sprang up a very good question he sprang up the question that who gave isis so much money and power i mean the thing is that uh, let's just think logically that a violent non state actors like islamic state of islamic state like what happened suddenly that they sprung up into power and they were able to take raqqa and they were able to take large swaths of territory middle east i mean come on there has to be some, there has to be some reason right and of course he blamed he got to blame saudi he got to blame us and stuff but like the thing is that 
what led to this what led to this fang off of uh, isis it was partly due to the fault of usa i mean see funding non state actors is not a good idea it will never be because uh, you know the stall ca program that provided 2 billion in funds to the uh, to the rebels and in uh, and the and these rebels only they are, they are in fighting with each other it's very very complicated it's a intending fighting between the rebels and isis it's very complicated so if you provide them with funds and like one of one of the factions bro- breaks out and they form uh, a ruthless territory it's partly due to the fall of partly due to the fall of usa and yeah that's pretty much it like provide and uh, like you know the idea of nostalgic actors it's it's quite different uh, for us uh, nostalgic actors may, will always be you know terrorists who are fighting but nostalgic actors can also be the humanitarian organizations who are working in syria and as we know white helmets they have what if you have read ashias and us speeches they have clearly mentioned quote unquote white helmet is a terrorist organization like this is this is what russia and syria have been saying but to be honest white helmets have been doing a good job in syria they have been trying to carry out good work but again it's a blame game like you go on with the cycle like you know they it like uh, even white helmets is not a uh, organization if you look at that way so and even it has white helmets is being funded by usa by france uh, by britain and um, like in netflix also there have been a lot of documentaries regarding this showing white helmets in good light and syria has been like no 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 white helmets is uh, is like is related to al nusra al nusra is a un designated terrorist you you guys have been supporting terrorists are no good terrorists bad terrorists it's it's like it will go on i mean uh, in my personal kind of like yeah yeah in my personal capacity it will if we go on until unless a consensus is reached so obviously since you spoke about consensus and a requirement of that in the syrian civil war you know obviously we are aware about the 94 peace resolution wherein you know if um, the un security council cannot pass a resolution because of a veto the un general assembly can be convened and that resolution be voted upon and if the majority votes for it it gets passed automatically well why do you think that even despite this resolution existing the united for peace resolution why haven't why hasn't anybody be it the russian federation or even the us brought this up in a general assembly and you know taken that big initiative to go forward with a proper plan a proper peace plan right uh, so talking about consensus i said as i said earlier it's all that unsc hasn't come to any consensus uh, 2254 in 2015 was according to me was the best achievement because what it mentioned that it respects the sovereignty of syria and it uh, tells every party to you know and it like reaffirms that sovereignty integrity independence of the syrian republic 2254 was a resolution that was made completely on consensus 2118 was also made on complete consensus uh i think 2606 also was made was made in some consensus so i won't say that there is no not at all consensus in the national community there is but it's very less i mean see these are just a few resolutions that i'm quoting right now like and also for on, on uniting for peace again understand something that unsc is the most legally like you know it's the executive body of united nations right even if we, even if even if russia and usa go to go to unga they they make make a unga resolution i don't think it won't have any effect to be honest any un resolution won't have much effects uh, uh, rather like you know on syria of like you know uh, if there is not a pro- proper politically owned and politically led 
like Syrian politically owned, say politically led uh, peace process. If that's not happening, you can't expect peace. I mean, see, uh, resolutions are resolution will stay there, and it will always stay there for parties to come and to brawl with each other. Like uh, eight years ago, I was I, I was like uh, I was watching a Assad interview, and it was a very old interview. Assad just stated like that that UN is not credible. The quote, see, like uh, ABC News, Assad is not credible. He stated this on television because and when he when asked about that, your ambassador is sitting there. He's like, yeah, countries just go there and brawl. So see, if 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 the party, if the government in power doesn't even care about United Nations, so it doesn't matter whatever resolutions you pass. Like true, there have been resolutions have been passed, but again, politically owned, politically led peace process. Nothing, nothing can compare to this. Like yeah, so obviously that process is extremely important. Now, why don't we look at the two next actors in this very um. civil war that is first being iran now do you like obviously iranian militias like the hezbollah uh, has been involved very much in syria now considering a basic political crisis in lebanon which has been caused by hezbollah um, don't you think that the iran that the iranian government as a whole is you know trying to somehow destabilize the middle east but it is again resulting in governments in different regions failing altogether Yeah, so I mean, uh, we cannot deny the fact that there has been a cold war between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Now, I won't say that there has been no talks. So, uh, Iran, uh, so Iran had tried to launch. I'm just, uh, you know, addressing the aspect of cold war. So, Iran had tried to launch, uh, you know, a peace plan for Hormuz, and it had given letters to everyone, addressed to everyone, even the king of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia had like, you know, just shrugged it aside, and it was like, no, I don't want to talk to you. now see the thing is that iran and saudi arabia if iran even tried to come to consensus saudi arabia just shut it away now coming to hezbollah see hezbollah is hezbollah was nothing but to you know just to fight uh, for, to fight away israel right and uh, i mean i'll say something i i joined a discord server it's very informal i joined a discord server uh, of you know uh, uh, of a iranian group and there what i saw i was shocked to see that there what i saw like uh, what we see in the news because we live in a, because you know basically our news is mostly western media right we see hezbollah in bad good, light good. and how hezbollah is doing that and this and also the irgc website has been bad anyway so in that server what i saw was people coming out and saying that hezbollah is is good hezbollah has done this hezbollah has done that hezbollah is carrying out humanitarian work so again there are two sides to every coin and uh iran trying to destabilize the region completely iran I- iran uh, iran has been uh, deploying hezbollah in syria helping the assad regime but that doesn't mean that saudi is innocent saudi bombing yemen saudi bo- saudi providing arms and funds to uh, uh, to the non state actors and again providing no- funds to non state actors bad idea it it never works out because like if like you know uh, if we provide funds to groups like al nusra again they they will bite us back alnusa is no good and like they have been carrying out attacks like i won't like you know true as the assad regime has carried out attacks but that doesn't mean that the opposition or you know or the rebels group they haven't done anything they have also carried out attacks subsequently on on a on a number of on a number of occasions 
so like um, obviously we spoken about this cold discord proxy war uh, between saudi arabia and iran which has been going on a lot now obviously uh, when you speak about this cold war you can also bring into the light the normalization deals between the us the ua bahrain and now sudan yeah. so do you believe that you know these normalization deals and as trump calls it you know peace deals would do we really reflect peace in the entire middle east as a whole uh, okay now see the arab league uh, in once met in sudan right and they and the three no factors in no peace with israel no no deal with israel no negotiation with israel right if i'm not wrong now see uh this peace deal what i feel this was a great great like see saudi arabia the boss of the boss of gcc and bahrain and saudi arabia they are close allies right so bahrain normalizing ties with israel uh, i believe that saudi hasn't given any statement yet and if saudi normalizes ties with uh, israel then i guess it's a big blow to palestine because see uh, uh will it restore peace in middle east personally i think yes because see there is no point fighting right now israel palestine government is going on for a long long time and israel is getting recognition uh, is not is not not only now getting recognition from the from arab states but has also got recognition from many other states like uh, recently sudan has also sudan has also given recognition to israel just a, just a few days back yesterday i think so see such deals have been struck out by trump and trump and it is and it has been championed by trump and seen that and trump has been championed see they i have done this and this is that this is the greatest one was achievement i have done yes it will help us but like you know and also um, like uh, a big blow to iran because iran and uh, iran and israel they don't really they are not really compatible with each other and also a big blow to syria so like you know the countries many countries have condemned it many countries have said that it's fine it will help to restore peace it will help to restore uh you know uh, stability in the middle east and mean stability in the middle east i mean come on it's not world war 2 or the six day war that we are still fighting with each other and we are like israel is a bad country palestine the palestinians have the palestinians are very innocent that's not that also not there are again two sides to every story yeah so like uh, obviously speaking about two sides uh, there have obviously been allegations about israel authorities you know committing human rights violation in palestine and then again in palestine you have political faction in the fatah the hamas which also are responsible for a number of uh, attacks and there are number of these skirmishes between israel and palestine like uh, and the gaza strip actually um so do you believe that you know israel should at least be held accountable for its human rights violations whereas even um, like political faction like fatah and hamas must be called out for the violence or uh, that they created in the time palestine uh, in the palestinian region i mean yeah of course of course see uh, israel has to be held accountable for the number of you know for number of arbitrations or for or for number of human rights uh, violations that it has committed during the annexation or uh, you know all the blockage that it has done for in gaza now the thing is that now the thing is that the point that israel and usa makes like uh, usually if you have heard nikki heli speech that they say that nikki heli clearly mentioned in unga that what if rockets are fired at your home by a uh, by a terrorist organization and the whole world community stands with them now the thing is that israel uh, israel uh, like you know and also israel israel has been rendered helpless at a lot of occasions but but like but the thing is that uh, but the thing is that the whole world community was standing with palestine and israel was like israel was rendered helpless usa was uh, with them 
with the normalization of ties again israel is getting allies much better and also you know and people are starting to realize that hamas is not like like hamas uh, sorry uh, palestine is not at all is not that innocent they like in gaza strip they have been carrying out human rights violations and also hamas needs to be held accountable same goes for israel same like same in syria like you know uh, uh, if the assad regime has carried out human rights violation same applies for al nusra front same applies for hts same applies for uh, sdf for that matter completely agree and uh, like obviously we speak like when we speak about another faction not only now it's very much involved in the middle east as a whole that is turkey like the turkish invasion in syria in 2018 like um, obviously erdogan has been proposing this plan of you know a safe zone for allocating refugees while at the same time you know like like a couple of months ago the un human rights had uh organization put a report so like calling out turkey for its human rights violations so like do you believe that this that turkey has also played a very a massive role in destabilizing the syrian civil war which is already ravaged the entire country yeah okay the thing is that turkey just invoked article 51 of the un charter and uh, one thing i really liked about the about bashar al jafri uh, in one of his speeches he was giving Uh, he stated that a mexican delegate uh, tried to bring some amendments to article 51 but uh, it was outrightly uh, opposed by turkey because turkey has been invoking this article 51 now um, now this is the very same logic that you that usa used uh, in order to in order to you know okay in order to invade uh, afghanistan or iraq all right it invoked article 51 after 911 as simple as that and it was like uh, our sovereignty has been harmed and we will retaliate what, uh, what turkey has done that you know the the pkk or the pkk now they have been carrying out attacks in turkey and turkey is like we cannot allow a de- a de facto rojava state and they have been carrying out attacks uh, in the rojava region now this has of course destabilized destabilized syria this was not needed at all i mean let's think about it for a moment uh, we have a war we have a war going on uh, a civil war that is that is that is the world's greatest humanitarian disaster we have children starving we have people dying every day we have covid plus in 2020 we also have covid and knocking down uh, in 2019 let's say we have war, hospitals have been destroyed schools have been destroyed uh, children are starving children are dying people are dying and then turkey just comes in and turkey just you know uh, invades in the northwest the, the rojava region of uh, of syria it was not needed at all if you even ordered, if you even wanted to make a safe zone or something and again yes a report that you suggested turkey like if you wanted to dis- come in and pull the dis- displaced refugees for uh, f- for the matter of sake you have been carrying out human rights violation in that region also so uh, for the for the for the you know for the resettlement of refugees there there there, there could be other options and you know it could just be talked out diplomatically rather than just going in and invoking article 51 so um, obviously the obama administration it was supporting the kurd uh, the kurds in syria which are fighting assad and uh, however when trump came when trump's administration came they simply spoke to president erdogan of turkey and gave him the green signal to go and attack syria while the troops while us troops withdrew from syria 
and basically it broke their trust with the kurds and the kurds are now joined forces with assad so do you believe that this that the trump administration's policy in syria has resulted in the us losing some of its key allies against assad i mean see the thing the fact is that uh, in a very recent interview what assad stated uh, when he, he was asked about that donald trump has been no- nominated for peace prize first he acts surprised that oh my god is nominated i didn't know know about that but he said that he was very happy about the fact that uh, usa have usa withdrew us from syria see uh, let's think we live in india right uh, for uh, god sake doesn't happen in future but in let's in 75 years we are having a civil war in the dravidian belt in uh, in the sense such as we are having a very bad civil war and what happens that usa comes in and it builds bases so um, as a citizen of india i won't like that i won't like any any uh, any outside country to come in and build bases in my own country i personally won't like that right now uh, talking about a uh, usa withdrawing out of syria and uh, giving and giving a green signal trump doesn't understand foreign policy the thing that for example take jcpoa packing out of jcpoa was one of the dumbest thing that us has ever done in in its history apart from killing people from uh, from middle east to latin america i mean it's not only it's a violation of article 25 it also violates the it also violates you know international customary law i mean there was no need there was no need to back out there was no need to back out deal it, it doesn't matter if it was a campaign promises for uh, for that sake you cannot you know reach world peace for your quote unquote campaign promises so again backing you know taking out the support of kurds and you know backing out of the rojava region it was nothing it was just it was just a you know it was just a gift from you from trump to russia and the anata nothing else true uh, maybe for assad it will you know help help him to alleviate the situation but for usa i mean i had nothing to say when i got the news i was truly shocked because i understood that trump doesn't understand foreign policy I'm sorry. You obviously brought the GCPO that is Iran nuclear deal, and uh, so you know, like when we speak about uh, Trump, who like obviously doesn't understand foreign policy, uh, but uh, you know some of the things that Republicans, as well as some Democrats, actually brought up was that you know this deal only prevents Iran from getting a nuclear weapon in ten years. So, like, do you believe if this kind of an agreement were to you know get entered into once again, um, the ten-year loophole, so to call it? a 10 year loophole how do you think we can you know cover this loophole how do you think we can go uh, past so basically this? you are asking that uh, i guess i didn't, I didn't question, get a question just repeat it once like basically like you know the one loophole everybody is trying to expose in the iran nuclear deal is that it only lasts for about 10 years so like what after that so um like what, what can any administration do uh, after this uh, okay, your, okay, the thing is that is iran won't gone. trust us anymore see uh, if you have watched uh, i have i have watched a lot of interviews of a lot of personalities who just to get the statement iran had clearly stated that we don't trust us anymore i mean let's think logically uh, if i am a person a and uh, a person b struck 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 a deal with me and says that see uh, you will not do this i will not impose sanctions we be happy everyone is happy then then suddenly person b comes and is like you know what screw this i am out of this it doesn't work like that now iran has clearly stated that uh, usa is not trustable and when when uh, asked about that uh, what if a democrat comes in what if biden comes in you what iran iran gave a very befitting reply and iran was like uh, uh, what we know that there hasn't been a revolution in usa 
there what oh, there is a simple administration change so all the commitments are made under the previous administration has to be abided by the current administration it's simple international law you, it's like it's called promissory estoppel you can, like you know you cannot just back out of something like true usa can go on and quote uh, icj rulings and how and people backed out but again this deal maintained peace and iran was complying with it so backing out of it didn't make any sense and iran would and iran would trust usa right now i mean i don't know but what i what i feel personally iran won't trust it if iran if if even if iran did iran would at least uh, come with some provisions come with some very strict provisions where like you know uh, if sanctions are applied something could be done something back could be done to usa because sanctions have ravaged iran to be honest they are not being able to buy in medical facilities they are not being able to treat their own people it's bad silly bad so like um, obviously this re sanctions part has been a problem for iran and you've seen the un security council going against um, the us you know for applying more sanctions under the jcpoa the so called snapback clause and then um, just a couple of days ago this arms embargo was finally lifted and the us has warned the entire world that if any country you know uh, brings in arms to iran they will face sanctions so like do you believe that country like russia and china which continue to provide iran with you know fissile material um, will those countries even respond to i mean see no 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 now the matter comes that uh, usa is again acting like a bully i mean see again uh, usa tried to put an arms embargo it failed completely in the un security council most of the countries abstained not like no, most of them didn't vote in favor most of them abstained and it was vetoed anyway but the thing is that this was a big 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 win for iran and iran has been posting this ever since iran has been saying that you like we have a lot of allies around the world people trust in us now coming to the threats made by usa i mean uh, i don't i like what i personally feel that uh, in the national stage usa would be scrutinized uh, to to hell and at least they would be bashed in the un unsc security in, in security council Uh, for putting for putting back sanctions or putting sanctions on countries that have been carrying out the deal like um, will russia and china respond to this threat i think so because uh, russia pers- uh, russia uh, you know because of crimea chechnya they they had they had sanctions on them and like they, their condition was was bad and china also although its economic condition is quite stable i don't think it will you know try to You know, you know, try to destabilize it by making some deals. Even if it like they, I uh, what I personally feel that they would at least bash USA. They would make sure that USA doesn't come to any kind of you know any kind of tomb foolery, and then make a deal with them. Because again, they don't. No country will try to destabilize their own region or their own country. So. like obviously we were there have been fresh allegations by us uh, officials that um, iran has been trying to pro- like trying to hack the us elections they already sent uh, it seems some very alarming messages to voters in florida and uh, these are basically anti trump so like uh, obviously speaking about the fact if a democrat would come like if biden would to become president does it mean that obviously iran is trying to influence this election in favor of biden 
considered that obviously Biden would come back to a nuclear deal, he would drop sanctions. I mean, the well. thing, like, see, uh, if Iran, like, like I mentioned, what I mentioned earlier was Iran's reply to a report, like Iran's, you know, Javed Sari's reply to a reporter that had asked this question. Now, if Iran uh, comes to a provision uh, with 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 the with Biden, now again it will have provisions to uh, come back to U.S. I mean, uh, the thing is that sanctions have ravaged the country, and also, like you know, uh, if if Iran had to sit down, they will uh, they will have, you know, they, the tables would be in their favor. Now, coming to the Florida thing, now the thing is that uh, if we go to Iran and ask them that do you have you done this, they would outwardly reject this. They would say no, we we have not. These are just basis allegations, but. Uh, is Iran trying to, uh, you know, is Iran trying to put a favor in favor of Biden? Um, I think so. I personally think so because uh, if Iran comes to a consensus and Iran sits uh, with uh, Biden and says that, listen, we need to, we need to come to a consensus. We need to drop the sanctions and also we will uh, develop nuclear energy for peaceful purposes. And if Biden outrightly agrees with it, then it's completely fine with Iran. Then, then Iran is definitely trying to influence the election, but. I don't think so because if Iran comes to a consensus, it would just be contradictory to the previous statement. They have, they have, they have simply stated that we are done with this. US is not trustable. We don't care who comes and goes. It's, it's there's not, there is not the, the revolution is not being going on in USA. It's a simple administration change. So we don't care. This is what Iran said. So uh, obviously now, when you look at uh, when since you talked about Russia and Turkey back in Syria. Uh, when you find countries like Russia and Turkey, which have been at loggerheads in places like even in the Gorno-Karabakh region, where both have been supporting, like Russia has been in a mediating position, Turkey has been supporting Azerbaijan, and then you find in Syria, where Russia supporting the Saad government, Turkey is opposing it. So, uh, like, do you believe that this entire Syrian civil war is not only a Saudi Arabia-Iran proxy conflict, but also a somewhat Russia-Turkey proxy I mean, as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, see, uh, what I think that, what I personally find very, very, you know, uh, very, very confusing and very, very astonishing to see. Uh, I'll take just take two examples, Syria and Yemen. Uh, Syria and Yemen, right? Uh, in Syria, Russia has been bombing, uh, Russia has been bombing innocent Syrian people. USA has been outright, outrightly using that this is wrong, this is very wrong. What are you doing? You're killing us in civilians. In Yemen, Saudi Arabia backed with, you know, backed with US, US missiles and stuff. They have been bombing innocent Yemeni people. US is supporting that, ironically. And, uh, and in that case, Iran, uh, Iran has been supporting the Russian bombing in Syria. Uh, but Iran has been opposing the US, uh, you know, Saudi US bombing in Yemen. This is like, like what this is, this is why there is a need for international consensus. Like countries, like countries have their priorities, prior, priorities, you know, shredded out, and they have been, they have been, you know, uh, their, their policies and their priorities shredded out, and they're like, yeah, Damascus is important to me, so I'll do this, and this is important to me, so I'll do this. Now coming to the, you know, the Russia and Turkey conflict. So uh, I think in Astana, Turkey is a, the Turkey is a party to it, right? But again, Turkey has been violating the Astana agreement. So. Uh, so, so, so for like, you know, Russia and Turkey are there, but when, but when, you know, when uh, Turkey invaded Syria, Russia tried to maintain a very neutral stance in that. Or let's say the killing of uh, Turkish soldiers in the Idlib region. 
Russia Russia was very neutral I I if you read the Russia speech in UNSC what they did was like they they, they just gave a speech where there was like uh, we had a defense coordinates uh, the terrorists killed the turkish soldiers syria was not involved uh, we will look into this will investigate into this however let's t- let's turn the tables uh, if it was the case that us that us uh, you you know um, us soldiers were killed by uh, syrian soldiers syrian soldiers it's quite it's it's quite uh, unplausible but i'm just saying this russia would outrightly go and say that you terrorists have killed terrorists have killed them uh, us has supported terrorists now now i ask us that what's the, what was the point of supporting terrorists when when they came back to you and they again and you know the snake uh, they again come came back to you and uh, they killed your uh, own uh, killed your own soldiers so i'm telling you there no good terrorists batter is stop supporting al nusra but when it like you know russia russia is is quite smart in this uh, in this stance it uh, go it uh, it uh, becomes a neutral country when it sees that uh, one of its um, one of its you know parties are involved in a uh, one of its parties are involved but again it uh, you know turns back into that uh, you know evil mother russia uh, when when it sees that us is involved and us is, uh, and its allies are involved so yeah i mean these are some anomalies uh, in in uh, in in the foreign policies and these will always exist i mean if we ask russia that wow, that you know so if we ask iran that why are you supporting the yemeni why are you supporting the houthis uh, and yeah, why are you supporting the russian bombing in syria but not and like you know and opposing the saudi bombing they would be like uh, syria and yemen are quite different the situation is quite different yeah and so like obviously you brought up the fact that russia you know has been blaming quote unquote terror organizations for the violence in syria but then again i like, coming back to our earlier conversation like, do you believe that yeah so you got a bit cut off all right right there um so yeah. like uh, obviously like when we look at you know like what is said just now about russia's what russia would do uh, in those kind of scenarios like do you believe that these organization like alnusra now being you know used as simple excuses for continuous bombing and violence in syria and see uh, we want we can't agree with the fact that alnusra hasn't done anything or we can't even agree with the fact that sts doesn't exist the thing is that these organizations do exist uh, and like you know yes sometimes they have been used as a you know as a backdoor by russia and syria for the continuous violence but sometimes violence has been inflicted by them upon the upon the same people it has happened it has happened both the ways and that's what that you know that's what like you know that's what the civil war is about the, the western western houses will show that how syria has been bombing uh, sorry how syria ha huh? how syria has been bombing its own people russia has been bombing its own people however if you go if you just if you just go go around the globe in russia if you go to a russian channel it will show exactly the opposite it shows that how russia has been carrying out great work in syria how it has you know it has been like what say it it has been you know carrying out great humanitarian work it has been bombing the rebel bombing the terrorist groups and how it has been helping to destabilize the region stabilize the region russia is great usa is bad its allies are dumb this is this is what happening because uh, true they have been used as a backdoor sometimes but again we can't even argue with the, we can't argue the fact that uh like you know hts al nusra they have inflicted violence upon same people 
so like you brought a really important point here which we should all consider that is the fact about western media and russian media you know giving completely opposing views so like um, obviously like how can um, like so what would your suggestion be to you know media houses to somehow you know adopt a neutral stance and just present facts rather than just showing one side to entire thing because even you find um, cnn and other such channels obviously show how america has been doing a bombing um, syria like for uh, protecting itself but not the entire devastation it follows no see there can't be any suggestion because uh, there are they are media houses they are free to show anything in russia they have been controlled they have been brutally controlled by the putin regime but uh, in but in america Like see, they are free to show anything. Freedom of speech and expression—it's enshrined in the American Constitution. I forgot which, uh, you know, which part of it. But like, I'm like, they are free to show anything. We can't argue with that. Uh, we can't say media houses to come together and show a neutral stance. It's it's their choice. If they want to show that America is bad, they can show that. If, if they want to show that Russia is bad, they can show that. We can't we can't argue with that, right? Uh, I'll take a very honest example. Let's take BBC for example. All right, BBC. uh has been taken a very has has taken a very anti india stance on uh, kashmir we can't stop that so same goes for al jazeera same goes for cnn we can't stop that right now like uh not let's say guardian for example guardian has taken a neutral stance guardian has criticized pakistan guardian has criticized india as well. we can't do anything about media houses like if we if we tell media houses to take a neutral stance they will say that like, you are curbing a freedom of speech and expression you can't say that so so like um like obviously now when you look at the iran nuclear deal and the way the us is withdrawn do you think that this is like another uh, like obviously in one way it is a foreign policy failure on trump's part but then do you think that this withdrawal from the jcpoa it can hinder uh, possible us nuclear deals with north korea because even if we take into consideration north korea is a very is a nuclear state and just a few days ago they portrayed a completely new intercontinental ballistic missile so do you believe that withdrawal from the jcpoa actually hinders uh, those possible deals north korea i mean yeah of course i mean think about it uh, i am uh, you know like say go back to that example i am person a you are person b you struck a deal with me you said screw and once and one day you came in i was complying with the deal one day you came in screw this i am going to execute this deal now person c while person c trust person b i mean come on that's complete that's that simple logic and even if person c even if dprk trust uh, us and they sit down to a deal they would be like we want some provision that if you back out we would we could come back to you like you know we could do something to you because again these countries overwhelmed by sanctions and and like you know uh, i have as under represent south africa these countries are usually against sanctions they usually say that sanctions are bad they are violation of article 2 clause 1 of the un charter sg goal 17 and stuff so like you know uh, if they they want they want sanctions removal so like if uh, if usa wants to sit down with dprk they would have a hard time dprk would come to some would say that we want some provisions that that like you know some good provisions in the favor of us like i don't think it would be a good deal at all for us for dprk it would be great so like thank you so much vedant for being on this podcast i mean it's been great speaking to you 
I mean, getting your insight on these issues and like, um, I'm looking forward to, you know, uh, getting on my podcast, uh, once again, pretty soon. So yeah, like, cool. yeah, totally. So then I think we can end the podcast. So yeah. And that was our podcast with um, Vidanth Mishra. I mean, he had given us pretty much good insights into, you know, how this entire Syrian civil war is actually played out. And I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all understood the conversation. And um, uh, and please like and share this with your friends and family. Follow the podcast and, you know, keep giving your opinions, your ideas, your views. And like, um, and so thank you and good night.